You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live this morning. We hope you're enjoying our uh, discussions, and we've got lots more to go. But before we head into our next segment, I want to invite you to visit our website, realpresenceradio.com, for even more great content. There you can listen to programming from your local area, find a podcast if you missed one of the daily shows, or listen to this one again if you want. Submit a prayer intention and see the latest cancellations and announcements that are coming with the coronavirus precautions. Be sure to check it out, realpresenceradio.com. Okay, for this uh, half-hour segment, we're happy to have with us Paul Finstead, Finstead, who's the uh, development officer for an organization in Fargo called Unseen. And um, to the extent they they are kind of unseen, they're kind of a low-profile organization, but seem to be... uh, uh, getting a higher profile. They do a lot of good work in the area of fighting against human trafficking. That's right, Jack. Thank you for having me this morning. Great to be here. Thanks for coming. We're really glad you're here. But why don't you start out by telling a little bit about yourself? Uh, otherwise, I'd have to fill it in. But basically, that surrounds the why in getting beat by you in racquetball, <laughs> which is really <laughs> difficult for me to admit to here on the air. So I'll let you tell your story. Well, we go back a long ways, Jack. I think we go back to probably Bismarck and playing racquetball there at the YMCA. But mm-hmm. I was with the YMCA for 40 years. I started in Fargo uh, back when I was in college and then went on to Bismarck and then Jamestown, North Dakota. And then Beloit, Wisconsin, and was fortunate enough to come full circle back to Fargo and uh, was executive director, uh, CEO of the YMCA here in Fargo for uh, 25 years, and then retired, took six months off, and uh, uh, landed at Unseen, uh, very meaningful work, and working full-time again, uh, which I didn't quite expect, but it's been a it's been a great road to be on yeah. for sure. Did um, was the decision to go back to work entirely yours, or did did your wife strongly encourage this as well? well? She, you know, I noticed she was gone more as <laughs> as the time went on. I don't know what that means, but uh, no, I always intended to go back and do something meaningful. And uh, really, the six months I took off was a chance to to really pray and consider what would be the right road for me to be on. And this one, uh, everything kept pointing to uh, working with unseen and human trafficking. Mm-hmm. What were some of those things that were, that evidence that this is the way God was leading you? Well, you know, I, I had a number of things I was considering, and unseen, to be honest, was not at the top of the list. Uh, but through daily devotion, uh, there were just things I bumped into that kind of kept pointing me to uh, this being the right place to go. Uh, one of them was a devotion that I uh, first read after I was starting to consider it, and it said, you know, I have plans for you, but they're not the plans that you're thinking about. They're plans that uh, uh, may be a little bit more adventurous, and uh, this has been, uh, you know, a different road than what I've been used to being on. It's it's a little bit more adventurous, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. So, um, and, and just the, the things I would bump into and the people I would talk to— um, it was pretty evident to me that uh, God was calling me to go in this direction. God incidences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah those are great. Hard to explain those, but mm-hmm. you, you can certainly feel them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, why don't we talk a little, before we get into actually you know, talking about Unseen, 
Yeah. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about human trafficking in general? Because, you know, we, we, we see certain aspects of it occasionally in the news. But I don't know that uh, all of us really have a, a, a full understanding of the broad scope of what human trafficking is and what it can be and how damaging it is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really think it's uh, epidemic proportion when you look at it. 40 million people trafficked each year. That's a, a, an estimate that's put out by um, a tip report that comes out each year. 40 million people trafficked. 10 million of those are kids. And to kind of put that into perspective, if you think about Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, the total population is 7 million people. So there's more kids trafficked in this world than live in our four-state area. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it's driven by poverty. Uh, you know, there's uh, 700 million people that live in extreme poverty around the world, 150 million orphans in the world. And so those are natural targets for uh, for traffickers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're probably most familiar with the concept of sex trafficking, but there are others. Absolutely. Yeah, it really falls into three categories. And and surprisingly, the sex traffic industry is the smallest of the three. Uh, Labor is the biggest. That's uh, 50%. Uh, Forced marriage is 38%. And uh, imagine a 40- or 50-year-old guy marrying a 12, 13, 14-year-old girl, and that girl having no choice in that uh, situation. Uh, Pretty pretty sad. And then... uh, of course, the the one that we probably think of most of all this sexual exploitation, which is uh, about twelve or thirteen percent of of human trafficking cases. Now, that's definitely the 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 most ab- well. They're all abhorrent, but that one seems to be the more dramatic and the 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 one that really grabs your attention and your emotions. Uh, you know, when you think of the the nature of that crime. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think that's the one that, you know, when when we live in the United States, the one that we probably uh, see and recognize the most is the, the sexual exploitation, mm-hmm. including now the, the Internet's gotten to be such a big, big issue. Um, if you look back in 1998, there were 3,000 cases of sexual material on the Internet in the United States. Uh, this last year, there were 18 million cases. So uh, just crazy how that's growing. And most of that is generated in Asia, uh, but the United States is the biggest purchaser of that service. And if you, if, if you take it another step, just being from North Dakota, North Dakota is, a, a, based on the population and extrapolating that out, uh, is in the top third in the country for purchasing that material. So that's that's a little scary. Yeah, I remember I was at a it was I think it was at a legal conference of some kind, and they were talking about they were talking about <coughs> pornography at that time. We weren't even in, into the traf- sex trafficking stuff, and they were explaining how the porno the pornography industry has always been at the forefront of technology. They're out there. They're using it in ways that uh, you know other people haven't figured out yet, but it. And I guess maybe that's a, a function of the, the amount of money that they have at their disposal, too. It, exactly. You think about uh, organized crime, and that's really what this is. And, and it ranks right up there with drugs and, uh, and um, you know, guns and trafficking that way that uh, that goes on. So uh, it, it's, uh, 
you know, it's a lucrative business for those people that are involved with it. And uh, quite honestly, the the punishment for the people that are there doesn't match the crime when they do get arrested. Well, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, kind of in the United States being a big uh, consumer, let's say, and uh, North Dakota being in the top third. You know, we kind of like to think of ourselves as somewhat insulated, even though now with the Internet we're not insulated from anything. Well, I mean, how do we see this in, in North Dakota? Yeah, well, I... I think the internet's certainly one piece of it. Uh, there's also some trafficking that potentially takes place in massage parlors. Most of, you know, a great majority of those are very solid and uh, uh, very reputable places, but that's another natural place for this to occur. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just the, the traditional uh, kinds of things where you're, you're selling usually mm-hmm. a, a female uh, to a male for... Uh, uh, for their purpose. How does law enforcement, how do they, how can they identify it? You know, say, I know, I, I think they, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of tuned in with like hospital emergency rooms and things like that. Do you know, can you, can you talk to that at all? Yeah. Well, I, I think law enforcement, they have some people that are uh, really charged with working in that particular area, but like uh, so many things in, in society, they're underfunded and they can only do so much, but I think, uh, for the most part, they do a great job in working to identify and then also enforcing what happens. But there's a number of things that, that they can look for and that we can look for as individuals to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, if we see something, we can report it. Uh, first of all, if you do see something, uh, you know, certainly call the police department. That's local. Uh, or there's a national traffic hotline, and that's 888 7888 and people can call that number too if they have concerns um, but a variety of things that um, uh, you can kind of look for one is that uh, the the person is probably with somebody that uh, never leaves their side and in addition to never leaving their side they always speak for them so you really don't get a chance to talk directly to them uh, they don't usually control their own finances uh, there's maybe signs potentially of sex, physical or uh, abuse of some sort. Um, they appear fear, fearful or um, under control of somebody. Uh, also, if you see a location, it could be an apartment, it could be a home, it could be a hotel room. If there's a lot of traffic coming in and out of there, especially at a variety of hours during the day. Maybe a sign that something's going on that's uh, that's not appropriate. Um, traveling with um, minimal supplies, just kind of like they're out there on their own and, and uh, almost lost. And then uh, also just changing jobs on a regular basis. Maybe uh, just maybe no consistency to what their lifestyle is uh, is about. Okay, so this can apply to people who are in the... Uh sex traffic, or even uh, the uh, forced labor? Yeah, pr- probably I would say more the sex trafficking uh, business. You know, usually the forced labor are, are probably even more hidden in that they are living right where they're working. So you'd almost have to infiltrate that to uh, to understand what's going on. Have to break. Does that happen much in the United States with labor laws? And- you, you know, it's surprising. It does happen more than we might mm-hmm. think. 
I think the sexual trafficking is certainly a bigger piece of what happens here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But especially some of the border um, uh, states like California is a good example. Uh, But even back a few years ago, there was a, a report in North Dakota, and there were nine cases in North Dakota back in like 2016 or 17. And you would never guess that that could be happening in this part of the country. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how does organized crime play a part in this? Are, are they the ones who are kind of uh, transporting the people across the border? And then, uh, uh, I suppose, in, in, in some cases, like the sex trafficking, they probably have, have their hands in that, even locally. But I, I would think for the labor, it's, a, it's more a matter of just getting them across the border. Yeah, I, I think uh, all of that, you know, there's money. when there's money involved, you find ways to make things happen. And um, so I, they're very well connected. Um, you know, they, they seem to, in some ways, be a step ahead of uh, what we have going on in the law enforcement field. I mean, they're, they're just working for the, it's a business thing. So you're trying to stay ahead of, uh, of what's happening yeah. to take away your business. And, and, you know, it's, it's hard to look at it that way because it, it is so frustrating to see yeah. it. But, but in a sense, that's what they're doing. And, and they're, in a, they're really, they're good at what they do sure. if you want to look at it that well, way. I imagine they can stay ahead of law enforcement because they, they have no rules. Yeah. Okay, well, we're coming up on a break right now. So why don't we, uh, we'll, 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 we'll hold it where we are right now and we'll get back and we'll talk a little, uh, we'll talk about what unseen is doing in this uh, in, in this arena and i'd like to remind our listeners you're listening to real presence live on the real presence radio network our guest is paul finstead from unseen which is an organization which helps other organizations in the fight against human trafficking and more to come stay tuned Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. In this world of suffering and pain today, we've all experienced some kind of loss, especially the death of a loved one. There's an opportunity for us to still help them, however, and I invite you to please visit our website, suicideandhope.com. If you have lost someone tragically, please enter their name. You do not have to put their full name. You can put initials or a first name or even a nickname. But I will personally pray for each and every person whose name is entered onto that website in memorial. I will also say a mass every month for these people, imploring God's mercy upon the salvation of their soul. So there is no obligation, there is no cost. All we ask is that you bring your heart and the love that you have for your loved one to our site, list them there, and allow us to pray for them. Again, suicideandhope.com. 
Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus Mystic Monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, First Communion, and Confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. Thanks for staying with us with Real Presence Live with Jack and Doreen Canelli, your hosts, and our guest is Paul Finstead from Unseen, and we're happy to have you with us. And we're going to continue our discussion about human trafficking. And during the break, Paul, you mentioned that uh, the, the, I don't know if it's the, the U.S. is kind of, or some, maybe an agency has sort of divided the world into three different tiers as far as uh, human trafficking activity is concerned. Why do you... Explain that. Yeah, each year the United States government comes out with a, what's called a tip report, and it really is a report on human trafficking and, and pretty detailed. And one of the things that they look at is uh, what are countries doing to really try and stop this? And so there's tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one are countries that really uh, maybe have some challenges, but they're really working hard to try and make a difference. United States being a great example of that. You know, law enforcement and the government and uh, organizations are really trying to get something done. Tier two are countries that, um, you know, they're, they're trying to do things, but the wheels seem to spin and, and there may be challenges that uh, you and I can't understand with uh, with government and connection to law enforcement and things like that. And then tier three are really countries that really aren't doing anything. In fact, they're probably working with uh, the groups to, uh, to allow yeah. it. And that, that's places like Russia and North Korea and in China, um, countries like that, that uh, uh, really, really uh, don't have any enforcement at all. Right. I mean, if, if we believe what we see on the movies, you know, you see stuff about uh, this being kind of a, a tourism attraction. Yeah. And you know, the challenge there is that you can have, uh, like the United States, you can be a country that's really working hard to make a difference, but our world is pretty small right now. And so uh, what happens in other countries uh, has an effect here. Uh, a lot of uh, the material and a lot of the challenges are in the Asia area. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the 40 million, there's probably 24 to 25 million people that there are, are trafficked. So um, what you see is that that has an effect on what happens in, in our country. Mm-hmm. I would think poverty would be a big factor. Huge. Yeah, that's a, that's a big factor. I mean, it's so easy to if people don't have anything, any resources, you know, they need shelter, they need food. Uh, these people are, are are pretty wise as to how they can pull people in and uh, pretty easy to pull some of those people in based on the fact that they really start with nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 700 million people, as we talked about earlier, um, you know, uh, really in poverty around the world. And I, I would imagine once you're entrapped in that system, uh, there's... Maybe two ways out. One is to die and one is to somehow escape. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's one of the things we're trying to work on, not directly. Uh, we have partners around the world that are 
uh, doing the, the legwork, and they're really good at what they do. They understand uh, human trafficking. They understand their local government, the culture, the, the police departments in their particular area. And so they do the work, and we help support them uh, with uh, business plans and, and uh, help them uh, fundraise and teach them how to fundraise. Okay. Is some of that work um, providing support for the people that have the courage and the strength to leave you know, whatever, in whatever way they're trafficked? Yeah, great cre- question, Doreen. Um, really three categories, I would say, that our partners work in. One is prevention. You know, if we can stop something, if we can find ways to get kids off the street, if we can find ways to uh, uh, supply, uh, really provide employment and, you know, and some support for, for especially some of the, the women out there that could possibly be entrapped, that's, that's the best solution. And then there's those that are in trafficking, and uh, we have groups that work on rescue kinds of missions and going in and, and knocking doors down sometimes or finding ways to, uh, to bring those people out of that particular industry. And then the third, maybe the most challenging, is post-traffic. You know, these people have been subjected to some really challenging things, and what do you have to do for, for rehab and tied into that, too, is, is really uh, prosecution, uh, you know, the need to get some of these bad people off the streets and uh, prosecute them and put them away. And then also uh, the other area would be to uh, change the laws and the systems that are out there to, uh, uh, to allow for, for less of this to go on. Yeah, so so you don't have a flak jacket or a gun or anything like that. You I, wouldn't want me in a flak yeah. jacket. Uh, no, yeah, I, I think no. this is a good good place for us to go into <laughs> talking specifically about what it is that unseen does. You know, my understanding is you're you're kind of like a almost like a marketing consultant to these organizations to help them get better at or to provide them with some marketing materials so that they're they can raise funds better yeah it, actually that's yeah, that's really a big part of it. Um, it it all started nine years ago our ceo had a chance to travel he was in the the army uh, firefighter and then he had family in the philippines and he saw the challenges that these people were dealing with and he also saw the good work that was being done and what he observed is they were really good at the street work they were good at the mission part of things but they struggled with uh, sustaining or growing their operation. And he said, if we could plug into that, we could really make a difference. And so what we do is we vet, select, and we work with some of the best human trafficking groups in the world. And we will train them uh, to fundraise. Uh, we'll provide all the materials they need to be successful. And then in addition, we monitor it and evaluate them to make sure that they're making progress. So this last year... Uh, for every dollar we invested in our partners, they were getting $3.67 back. So a great return. And if you take that and really get down to making a difference, uh, they impacted the lives of 3.3 million people. And uh, that's real. That's, uh, that's touching a lot of people and uh, making a difference for them. Yeah, so in other words, if you were to give, say, $10,000 to an organization... Their return was basically, by uh, their efforts, they were able to generate 30000 in income to them. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. And, and so the money that somebody gives to Unseen is for you guys to kind of help educate. 
and promote these uh, organizations that you've vetted. Yeah. How, how do you vet them? Well, that's uh, we have a pretty sophisticated process because, you know, there's there's a lot of groups out there that maybe are not as legitimate as they would seem. Um, and so there's places that you can go to make sure that they're not a, on a terrorist list or anything like that. Uh, now, with the number of partners that we have, uh, we can use them as references. And so we can make sure that they're solid that way. And then we interview them. We have a pretty detailed interview, and we're looking for a, a, a number of things, but a couple that are really important. Mm-hmm. One is that they're doing great work and that they're capable of, uh, of continuing to do great work. And then secondly, and maybe the most important, is are they positioned to grow uh, based on what we can provide them? Will that drive them to do more and uh, support more people? Okay, so... So you're you're pretty careful then. It sounds like about you know real who, careful who you're supporting out there. Yeah, bo- and and I'd say both careful from the standpoint of vetting initially, and then each year we do an evaluation to make sure that they're moving forward. And and we're uh, you know we work with them, uh, but if we're not seeing progress, it's important that we uh, are as effective as possible. So we're not afraid to to make some changes along the way if we need to. to yeah. And you're not a denominate. You're not a religiously driven organization. We're not. Um, uh, we, but I, I would say this: uh, we believe in the power of prayer, and uh, we uh, welcome and accept obviously any any prayers that people would provide for us because we know that uh, God's hand has to be in this. Is unseen? Um, where did it originate? In. Yeah, originally, it's all right here in Fargo. Our, our CEO is 32 years old, and he started it. Uh, he volunteered for a couple of years just on his own to get it going. And uh, we, we've kind of figured things out as we've gone along. So it's a pretty amazing story when you get down to it. I'd encourage people, I know our time gets a little short, to check out our website at weareunseen.org if you'd like more information. And if people are interested... If, if people are interested, we'd welcome the chance to uh, to visit with them directly. They can contact us. Uh, we, you know, obviously uh, we rely on contributions. So if uh, somebody's so inclined, we'd certainly accept that. And you can donate online at weareunseen.org. And um, we also appreciate prayers. Uh, we know that God's hand is in all of this. Yeah. So. And could you repeat the phone number you gave earlier to Paul? It was a website address. Yeah, website address, uh, and the phone number's on there. I, okay. I can't remember the phone number right now, okay. but it's <laughs> it's weareunseen.org. Weareunseen.org. One word, we are unseen. Yep. Yep. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Paul. I think we're coming up on the, our time is up. And we certainly want to thank you for coming into our studio today to tell us about Unseen. And be sure you can be assured of our prayers. This whole organization and our listeners are powerful prayer warriors, too. So Great. We yeah. appreciate that very much, and thanks for the time. Well, this is a topic that gets green steamed up pretty good. And she said that if, if you guys want to sponsor a protest or a riot, she'll be with you. <laughs> All right. We'll keep that in mind. Yeah, because it, it, it's one of those things. I think it's a, it, I think an epidemic, like you said, or maybe even a pandemic. And I don't think most peop, they people hear about it, but I don't think they realize how serious it really is. It's unseen. Yeah, it is unseen. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live 
where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 